Please remain standing. Take your Bible together with me and turn to our first scripture reading. And that will come from uh, Psalm 110. Psalm 110, uh, verse 1 to 4. A prophecy about the lordship and the kingship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it is very uh, important for us to hear this, uh, these words from Psalm 110 as we consider this morning the trial that Jesus faced before the Sanhedrin in Israel. His trial, but at the same time the fact that he is king and Lord. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power. In holy garments from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now turn to Mark chapter 14. The Gospel of Mark chapter 14 from from where our text uh, comes this morning. Mark chapter 14, uh, beginning from uh, verse 53 to 65. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none, for many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, He heard... We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another, not made with hands. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that this man testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. 
And some began to spit, on, to spit, uh, spit uh, on him and to cover his face and strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we now come to the hearing and exposition of your word, Lord, we ask you to illumine our hearts and our minds to the understanding of your word here in the Gospel of Mark. Lord, feed us by your word through your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. Help us to find our satisfaction this morning, our instruction in the Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In this morning uh, sermon, I want all of us to think about one English word, the word irony. What does the word irony mean? Children, the word irony means a, a situation where the outcome, the result, is the opposite of what you would expect. For example, someone whom you know says to you, hey, I, I really want you to know something about me. And you say to that person, and what is that? And he says to you, I really want you to know that I am not afraid of lions. And as he's making that bold statement to you, I'm not afraid of lions, a little child runs by him and he screams and runs away. That's irony. We call that ironical. An irony. Something is happening that you don't normally expect. In our text this morning, in the trial of our Lord Jesus Christ, before the Jewish council that we call the Sanhedrin, we are going to observe this morning, sadly, three ironies taking place around his trial. We are going to observe things that we never expect to happen in the life of Jesus Christ, in the life of this Messiah, this Savior from his enemies. The first one, of course, is the irony in his illegal trial. His trial from the beginning to the end was illegal, and I want to show you the irony of that proceedings, or that trial, in verse 53 to 59. And then I want us to consider the irony in Peter's pledge. What Peter said that he would do if he would uh, face 
uh, opposition about Jesus, about his faith in Jesus Christ. If something would happen to Jesus, you remember what he said and now what he's doing. In verse 53 and 54. And then lastly, I want us to consider the irony in Jesus' sentencing. In verse 60 to 65. So first, I want us to consider the irony in uh, Jesus' illegal uh, trial. Those of you who were here last Sunday morning, you would remember where in Mark's gospel we arrived. We were at the Garden Gethsemane. Judas uh, came to the garden leading all the enemies of Christ, the high priests, members of the Sanhedrin, and Roman soldiers, and they arrested Jesus. They seized it. They arrested Jesus. You also remember that everyone left him. Not only Judas, the betrayal, but not only Peter, but every disciple, every follower, everyone who said to Jesus, I love you and I'm going to love you to the end, abandoned him. He was by himself. And over and over again, I reminded you last Sunday that Jesus, your Redeemer, Jesus, your Savior, accomplished your salvation without anyone helping him, without anyone being on his side. Your salvation from the beginning to the end is the work of Christ. The gift of God through the suffering of the Son of God. But now we come to the trial. After that, what they did was they led Jesus to the house, the home of the high priest. The trial began after midnight. And I, I want you to listen to this carefully. The, the, the trial began after midnight. And during the trial, they uh, look at the evidence from witnesses. And they meet again at night to pronounce the sentence. That's how, how they did it. And I'll tell you why. The reason why they did that was, in Mark 14, it was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by, by stealth and kill him. Now listen to this. For they said, not during the feast, lest there, there, there be an uproar from the people. They never wanted to do it in daytime. Because many people were coming to Jesus for healing, for teaching. So if they do it in daytime, people will protest. People will uh, act against them. So they, they did everything uh, in, in, in darkness at night. It was the work of darkness. Now the irony is, the first one, the first irony is the timing. When 
The trial took place. It, it took place when? At night. The Jewish law requires every trial to take place in daytime, not at night. By their own law, they are forbidden to do that. You see the irony. And these are men who, who were boasting in Israel that they were for the law of God. We are keepers of the law. And we keep the law of God perfectly. Now look at what they are doing. They are conducting trial at night. Not only that, they were having the trial on the feast day. And that was not allowed by their own law. Not only that, you see, the place of the trial. The trial was taking place where? In the home of the high priest. Imagine you are driving on the street. And, 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 and the police officer pulls you over takes you into his car, drives you, and you, you, uh, he passes the police uh, department and takes you to his home. And you are in his living room, and he calls his friends, and he passes the, the sentence on you from his living room. How would you feel about that? I'm sure you would cry saying, what? Justice! Justice! This is not fair! I am in your living room. Where is the court? Where is the police department? Why are you doing this? You would cry for justice. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. The trial was supposed to take place in the chamber, in the temple. They had a place where they conduct trials. But you see what they're doing. You see the irony of what's happening when it comes to Jesus Christ. They are ignoring the law of God. Because their hearts were wicked. Because they already made up their mind. Their plan was to murder Jesus. To kill Jesus. This afternoon, when you go home, read Deuteronomy 16, where God told the people of Israel, the leaders in Israel, to establish, to establish justice to every citizen in Israel. Not to twist justice, but to do justice and righteousness. To establish courts where, where justice will be served to everyone equally. Now, what they're doing is contrary to what God commanded them to do in their land. You would agree with Jesus now, where Jesus said in Matthew 23, 27 and 28, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead bones and all your work is uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus was right. 
Because they were not lawful, they were lawless. Isn't that an irony, beloved? That the, 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 this Sanhedrin, they also were the judges in the trial. <laughs> they were the ones who brought their own witnesses to the trial. False witnesses. And Mark tells us, for many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. You know, two witnesses stand to testify against Jesus, but they don't agree with one another. Because the trial was wicked. The trial was done from illful and wicked hearts. Not only that, listen to what they said. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. And in three days, I will build another not made with hands. Maybe some of you, you are now saying, but how is that false witness? Didn't, didn't Jesus say that? In the Bible, in the scripture? Now let me tell you this. Jesus said something like that. But not exactly. Jesus never said, I will destroy this temple. What Jesus said in, for example, in, uh, in, in John 2.19 was, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. In, in reference to his own body. He was making a reference to his resurrection. But he never said, I will destroy this temple. Who destroyed the temple? The temple. The Romans destroyed the temple. Not Jesus. It was a lie. That testimony was not true. So the high priest, Caiaphas, got frustrated. And listen to what he said to Jesus. And the high priest stood in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is that this man testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. You see, the high priest took the matter into his own hand. And he asked Jesus, speak about yourself. Justify your actions and your words. Speak to me. Speak to these people. And Jesus was silent. Why was Jesus silent, beloved? Was it because he didn't have an answer? Was it because he was afraid? No, Jesus was silent to fulfill the scripture. What scripture? Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the, the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Beloved, he has every right to open his mouth. He has every right to condemn those men who were sentencing him. But he was silent because 
His goal was to accomplish your salvation without opening his mouth. His goal was to go to the cross and die for you, take your place and die in your place as a sinner. He could have called angels from heaven and they could have fought for him. They could have destroyed all the members of the Sanhedrin, all the Roman soldiers. He could have done that. But Jesus didn't come to wage war with the flesh. Jesus came to die for sinners. And in order to do that, he was silent. So that the punishment of God over our sin would come upon him. So that he would be the substitute and die a substitutionary death. That was the reason, beloved. Remember what Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 50. He gave his back to those who struck him. And he didn't hide his face from their spitting. Why? Because he loved you. Because he was carrying you upon himself. Your sin, your sin was upon him. And that chastisement from the father upon his own son brought healing to you and I. That was the reason why he was silent. Now we come to the second irony. The second irony is Peter's pledge. Listen to Mark. And they led Jesus to the high priest, verse 53, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. This is the disciple Peter, who told Jesus moments ago, who told Jesus, no, I'm not going to, die, to deny you. In fact, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to fight for you till the end. I will give up my own life for you, Jesus. Where is he now? He's doing two things. Have you noticed it? He still wants to love Jesus. He, wants, he still wants to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, but from a distance. He's keeping his distance between himself and Jesus. He's concerned about his safety. There are many, many people in our world today, they want to love Jesus, they want to follow Jesus, but at a distance. They keep their distance from Jesus. They keep their distance from Jesus at the workplace. They, they keep their distance from Jesus at, at the school. They keep their distance from Jesus at the marketplace. He was concerned about his safety. He wanted to save himself. What kind of disciple are you, beloved? Are you like Peter? Praise be to God. His life didn't end here. He repented. He even gave his own life 
for Jesus. We all know that. But at this time, Peter was living in fear and he was concerned about his own safety. Let me ask you this. Does your safety come first or Jesus? Does the gospel come first or Jesus? Does the worship of the true and the living God in your life come first or your safety? Remember what Jesus said. If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's the disciple of Jesus Christ. Why do people keep their distance from Jesus? Because they know if they follow Jesus closely, if they make their faith and their commitment to Jesus known to the public, they might face persecution. People might insult them, make fun of them. So they are not ready for shame. They are not ready for insult. So they keep it for themselves. That was Peter. You don't want to be like Peter, beloved. Have you seen what Jesse did this morning? There was no shame in the life of this young man. There was no reservation in the life of this young man. In fact, he was excited the whole week to stand here and say yes. Yes, publicly. Not only that, you see, he was also warming himself at the fire. Not only safety, but also comfort. Oh, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus, but with safety and comfort. I don't want my comfort zone to be touched by anything, by anyone. I, I just want to be comfortable. In Romans 10, 10, Paul said, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses. And is saved. Jesus, uh, Peter didn't want any of the, those guards in the courtyard to know that he was the, one of the disciples. You see, the irony here is Jesus was inside. He was inside suffering. Suffering in the hand of the Sanhedrin. Peter was outside seeking safety and comfort. See the irony. Jesus was inside to die for him, to die for all of us. Peter was outside to deny him. And lastly, we come to the irony of the sentencing. Now, back to the trial. I, I already told you it was illegal. The, the, the place, the timing, the conduct, all were illegal. Now, we come to the sentencing. And uh, 
In verse uh, 61, but he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard this blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. Notice the question that the high priest asked Jesus. Finally, he had to ask that question. And the question had two folds. One, are you the Christ? For which Jesus said, I am. I am the anointed Messiah. I am the Christ. And there was no secret about it, Caiaphas. There was no secret about it. I was in the temple teaching this. I was in every house, in every city, in every temple, claiming that I am the Christ. What is new about this? What do you want to know? And then comes the second question. Are you the son of God? That's where they wanted to go. Are you the son of God? Which means, are you the king? And then they will go to Herod and tell him he's claiming to be the king. And then they will kill him. And listen to Jesus' response. Yes, I am. Now, beloved, listen to what Jesus said to Caiaphas. I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. He was uh, quoting uh, Psalm uh, 110. And he was telling the, this high priest, yes, do you know the scripture? Do you know the Old Testament in Psalm 110? I am declared as the king with, with a scepter to rule. Yes, I am that Christ. I am that king. And in Daniel 7.14, you see Daniel in his vision, he saw the Son of Man, Jesus, the second person of Trinity. And to him was given what? Dominion and power as a king. That's what Jesus was telling the high priest. Not only that, you see. And Jesus told him this. But Caiaphas... This will not be the last time you and I will meet. You and I will meet on the day of judgment in a context of a trial. But on that day, I will, I will be the judge and you will be judged. What's happening right now is an irony. You are judging me. The unjust is judging the just. But the day is coming. And you and I will meet in the court. In a trial. But then I will be the judge. What an opportunity for the high priest to repent. And instead sentencing the son of God to death. But beloved... What Jesus said must be a great encouragement for you and I. 
the one who died for us on the cross, he's the judge, he's the king, he's coming. In this morning Sunday school, we, we learned about our glorification. That day is coming, and Jesus will judge. Jesus will judge the, the righteous and the wicked. And he will be the only judge. And all these people who crucified him, who killed him, if they have never repented, they will be judged. In 2 Timothy 4.1, Paul said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. In John 3, 35, Jesus said, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He will judge. That's why you see the psalmist in Psalm 2 call it all kings and governors here on earth to kiss the Son, to repent, lest they will be condemned forever. But the psalmist said in Psalm 2, those who run to Jesus, the Messiah, the King, those who run to Him, they will find refuge in Him. So my question to all of you this morning is, first, what kind of disciple are you? Are you following Jesus at a distance? Are you more concerned about your safety and comfort than glorifying God, than making Jesus known and famous in your own life and in all places? Are you, all, are you also sitting you know, by that fire, warming yourself, And follow Jesus as an observer. And secondly, do you know Jesus as the King and the Judge of the universe? Yes, He died on the cross. Yes, He was rejected. He was rejected. He was stricken. He was spitted. He bore shame, your shame, my shame. But remember, he is the king. He's coming, and he will judge the righteous and the wicked. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, indeed, we love our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's our desire to follow him, to worship him, to make him known. But the courage to do that comes from you. The boldness to do that comes from you, our Heavenly Father. So help us not to be like Peter in this condition in his life. 
Help us not to follow Jesus, not to love Jesus at a distance, but by being right with him, right in him, calling upon his name, making his name known to all people without fear, without shame. Lord, help us to be like Peter after his repentance, like Peter when he gave up his own life to Jesus and the gospel. Make us a disciple like that. Also help us to know Jesus not only as the dying Savior, the suffering Messiah, but also the judging judge, the judge of all the, all the universe. In his name we pray. Amen.